This is John Walton, and you're listening to the Power Play Point Podcast with the Blue Lighter on Point and Anna Knox. Here's Wilson, and on the right side, Hello and welcome once again to the Power Play Point Podcast. This is your host, the Blue Liner on Point, talking to you live to tape from downtown Glen Burnie, Maryland. It's uh, uh, what my one of my old friends likes to call a false Maryland spring, part two, 60-plus uh, degree day out here in the Baltimore suburbs. And uh, yeah, um just sat through uh, another disappointing Caps game. Don't like to s- say it that way, but uh, you call it is call it for what it is, I guess. I have given the mermaid uh, two weekends off owing to hers and her daughter's birthdays uh, these next two weeks. And uh, given the fact that we're coming up on um, a very hot stove type of topic, uh, part of the uh, NHL hockey season, that being the trade deadline in about one week's time, I have invited back a very special, very credentialed, very knowledgeable guest to talk about the doings or possible thereofs as such. Uh, Mr. Marcus Richard Limley, please make yourself welcome. How you doing? I'm, I'm doing good today. How about yourself, Gil? I are doing fine. Uh, and uh, once again, yes, please. Thank you. Thank you for joining us here and lending your voice, your knowledge, your everything to this podcast as we discuss what is, what could be, what might be, and what will be. Um, but first, uh, we're going to go through as we normally do the, um, and we got a lot of ground to cover, so we're just going to jump right in it. Uh, just like a uh, summertime ice bath. I'm going to jump right in it here and get through the four games that were played low this last week of February into March. So we'll start with the game this last Sunday or Monday, rather Monday yes. night to be exact um, against Ottawa. And it was a six, three win for our caps at the cap one arena. Very well-played game, um, I thought, from uh, start to finish, um, though it looked kind of dicey at this, in the second half of the first. Quick rundown of the scoring. Lexi Protus, his fifth. Uh, Manthel, Mantha and McMichael, so the McPromo line again, uh, coming through to open the scoring, 630 at even strength. John Carlson, his fourth from Strom on the power play, 830. Uh, so exactly two minutes later, gives him a two-goal lead. Uh, Drake Batherson, who I don't know why, but always seems to kill the Caps. Uh, his 19th, uh, Brady Kachuk and Sean Pinto, Shane Pinto, his, the assist on that one, 10-12, makes it 2-1. And um, 
two and a half minutes later to the exact Pinto himself gets his fifth, uh, Travis Hamonic, Hamonic, however you say it, and Kachuk on the assist on that one. So Hamonic. tie game, yeah, Hamonic. Okay. I've heard it both ways. Um, so, uh, yeah, Hamonic, the, uh, primary assist on that one. And, uh, so that ties the game about a minute and a half left. Uh, caps get a power play. Max Pacioretty puts it home for his second as a cap, uh, Scarbosa and, uh, McMichael, the assists on that one. Good to see McMichael get some power play time. And uh, Scarbosa as well. And uh, I really thought this would be where Pacioretty would excel is is on the power play. Uh, good to see him get uh, get that opportunity as well. Uh, and 14 seconds later, uh, Beck Malenstein with his sixth, Protus and Obey Kubel, uh, double-digit assists on that one at 1847 puts the caps up by two at the end all this all in the first period and um so the second uh just before 90 seconds in brady kachuk uh his 26th uh vlad tarasenko and shane pinto on the assist for that one pulls the sends within one and hendrix lapierre his third and uh, I correct me if I'm wrong, Marcus. Was his was this the first game he was called up, or the second? This was, I believe, the third. I think he's played three games before that. This is his okay. third game so since he, being called up. So he he'd been up a while. Okay, he's been um, up a while, but he's only played like the last two games before this. So they called him up, I think, when uh, Mantha was, I think, believe was sick or was hurt. He was a game time decision, and then Lapierre didn't play, but he played the very next game when uh, one of the other players went down. I think it was Dowd, so he was called out when Dowd got hurt, but he didn't play. No, he did play, so he was called out when Dowd got hurt. So yeah, when Dowd got hurt, not Mantha, Dowd. So yeah, but he's been up since ever since. Right, and I think what opened the door for him actually getting ice time was was Milano getting sick, yes, um, for a couple of games. That and that actually opened the door for him actually seeing the ice, and uh, he's been he's been making it pay off um, th- this whole time, making a good case for staying with the big club, especially as, in that we'll, face-off circle. Yeah, as as we'll discuss later on. Uh, so he gets his third, uh, Malenstein his tenth assist on that one, and uh, Ethan Bear an assist on that one, one fifty-eight in. So the Caps respond thirty-one seconds later, and. Uh, LaPierre again um, ices it. Uh, Ten fifty-five. Mantha and Protus on the assist to a beautiful put pass down. by Mantha. I think it was so, a beautiful pass by Mantha. So, yeah, let's take a look at that one. I'm going to call it up on the app, calling up the video, hitting the play button. So a block point shot by the Senators gets turned around. Uh, LaPierre, uh, yeah, this was okay. Yeah, this was the tic-tac-toe pirouette uh, point celebration. Uh, yeah, so it was a blocked point shot that LaPierre turned around and it was uh, pretty much him and Mantha all by themselves with the two on one. And yeah, they just pretty much played catch for about 60 feet and Mantha sauced it over. LaPierre throws it into the half empty net, bing, bang, bong, and it's in. So yeah, this was uh yeah, that was, uh, that was a pretty looking goal. I like that one. I will um, say though, 
No, because this was the first game my buddy that we we went to this game. Me and Cher went to this game. We went with our, my buddy Ian, my coworker. And this was his first ever Caps game. So this being a first ever Caps game was probably a big moment for him because they played very well from the get-go. Like They looked like they were the better team from the start. We can't yeah. say that for the next game. We cannot no. say that for the next game, though. No, I, about fifty uh, percent of the games, uh, um, <laughs> hint, hint, the ones that they won, they clearly look like the better team um, in both of them. Although, uh, if you're looking at um, the numbers, um, you would not, you would not think so. Although you can make the case, okay, so twenty shots on goal only for the guys in red. Um, you would have liked to see more, but then again, you can make the case that says, okay, well, that means they had a great shot percentage uh, and or they knew how to select their shots. That's fine, but that's not that's not always going to win you games, and you're not I always, always – go ahead. Yeah, I, I always think the shot – the shots, they're oh, – oh, like the – oh, shit, like the actual shots on net are not what I look at. I look at shot, shot attempts. If you're making more shot attempts, as I don't know how many shot attempts we had in the game, but I'm just saying, if if you only have 20 shots, but you have like say 40, 40 to 60 shot attempts, I think that's fine. That's fine because you're at least making an attempt to shoot the puck, as where you only have 20 shots and maybe 25 shot attempts, which means you barely have the puck. You're not shooting. You're passing it. You're trying to you're trying to do be too cute. You're not getting pucks to the net, which. I don't. I don't think we had that case. I think that game we actually we had a lot of shot attempts and we 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 put the puck towards the net. Evidently, why we won six three. Right, for sure. And uh, yeah, someday the 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 NHL statisticians will wise up and make shot attempts um, a standard part of the stats package. Right now, it's not. But you can see that kind of a thing definitely on a place like uh, Natural Stat Trick as. I've often mentioned as a, a good place to look up advanced tats, stats. Um, I haven't gone through that NHL edge a whole lot, but um, I heard a few good things about that. So that that's probably another place you can look up something like that as well. So the shot attempts were probably, given the fact that the Caps were attacking the net all night, probably something to double, maybe even triple the actual shot on net count. So... Like you said, Marcus, that's more of an indicator of the overall effort, which you know has been a hallmark of this team when they when they put out that maximum effort and beyond, they they usually win. So as as far as the offensive output, um, power play was two for three. Uh, it's great to see they've been rolling since uh, late January, so uh, that continues. Um, very, very lightly penalty called game. Um, refs took another long coffee break on this one, eight minutes and penalties total. Uh, so guy would, guy like Brady Kachuk running around on the ice, uh, kind of surprising as far as that goes, but that's what happens. Um, and, um, that's, this kind of surprised me a bit though. Um, okay. Well, this, uh, this gets back to what you were saying, Marcus, uh, caps had 28 block shots. So um, that's that. That's them blocking shots. So uh, the Sens were getting their opportunities as well. So uh, this this yep. was a back and forth. This is a good back and forth game. It was, I, but I think Friday's game when we get to it was much better. I think after that first period, when we get to it, we'll talk about it. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, so it's uh, one of those cases where some of the numbers can be misleading, but very well played game, I thought. Um, Caps definitely won by making more of their chances and forcing the Senators into their game, which if they when they force you to make mistakes, they force the opposition to make mistakes, they tend to come out the better. They still have the skill guys that can that can do that, that can hurt you. Uh, so good to see there. So it's, uh, well, okay, so we're going to jump to the next game, but I'm going to draw a line right through this because this, <laughs> this, this to me was a total um, aberration, abomination, dig out your thesaurus, but uh, it was, it was both. Um, it Detroit was hung an eight spot, hung an eight spot on the caps. Um, all of about maybe uh, 0.333 repeating were Charlie Lindgren's fault. Um, uh, the defense just literally took a night off, just, just absolute horrible performance. Um, the goals scored by the caps were uh, LaPierre again, who continues his streak of, uh, great play. Uh, Scarbosa got the second one and Pacioretty got, uh, yet another one on the power play. But this one clearly was all Detroit. They uh, ran around them, ran circles around them all night long. Detroit's uh, and been doing it, that lately. Yeah, just just terrible, just absolutely terrible. And um, it, you know, and no two ways about it. It wasn't fun to watch. Um, you name it, they were really bad at it, except for the possible exception of the power play. Uh, converted one of their two chances, but um, they sucked at the faceoff dot, thirty-five percent. You, know, you give a team like Detroit that many that much of the possession off the get go. What what did you expect? So, and uh, oh, I got a question for you, Marcus. Uh, when the hell did Shane Gossesbear get so damn good? Well, he played. Did he play for Florida last year? I don't know if he did. If he did, he I played really well. For- I don't know if he played. For, I forget who he was with last year. I know he played for Detroit this year. Was it Carolina? Is either Carolina or Florida? He played really. I think it was Florida. I think he went to Florida for a season. He played really well for the for the Panthers, and then like this year, no, no, he might he might have just signed with Detroit. He went to Arizona. He went to Arizona, and then he went to Detroit. Uh, he's just having a really good year this year. And I mean, I think is he paired with uh, what's his name? Shit, uh, Cider. Is he paired with Maurice Cider? Uh, if he is, that would explain a lot. Yeah. Cause, um, yeah, he, he's, uh, more cider will, will make you look very, very good. Yeah, so he's, if, uh, he's probably top five defenseman in the league. If that's, yeah, opinion. if that's the case, that would, yeah, that would, that would definitely explain it at least for me. Um, so just looking him up real quick. Um, uh, you were right this first time. Uh, he, he actually played with Carolina. Um, okay, Carolina. Half of last year. Half of last year. All right. So and that, then that he signed. Them. Yeah. Then then he signed with Detroit. Yeah. Carolina's got a good decor as well. So yeah, he Rob might Brennan have picked up something there. Um, that, that's the one thing I like him about his coaching is he can he can bring a lot out of his deep defenseman. Yep. Definitely. Um, so uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't expect it. I I thought it would be a lot closer game, but I I don't know that the Caps knew how good this team actually was. Um, I don't think many people knew how good Detroit actually is. But well, they um, started off 
they no. start off hot at the beginning of the season. Then they, mm-hmm. they cooled off in the middle of the year. But now they're heating up again. They're beating, they're beating. They're, it's not like they're beating teams like three to two, uh, four to three, five, four, two to one every night. No, they're crushing teams around this time. They were crushing. I think they came off three games in a row where they scored six or more goals against the opponent. Which we're going to go into the next game uh, after this one where we played another opponent who scored six or more goals in the last few games. Right. And, uh, you know, Dylan Larkin, he's probably still one of the five fastest guys in the whole league. So always something to watch out there. Uh, all right. Go ahead. I was going to say, did Lucas Raymond play? I don't know if he played or not. I'm pretty sure he was in the game. He was in that game. Yeah. I think, I think he scored a goal. He's one, he's another one of their, their top players. They got, they got a lot of players on that team. That's very good. Like I'm in shock that they're not in top three of the division. They're like, they're, I guess goaltending and, and somewhat the defense is, has been held, holding them back. But, I mean, if Detroit gets in the playoffs, they're going to be sneaky. Like, they're going to be a tough out. Yeah, well, after after this night, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, Lucas Raymond got one goal in this okay, game. I thought, I thought and he, he got Yeah, he got two assists. Yeah, he's been, he's been, really, he's been playing really well for them, too. As he should, since he's a top ten pick. So, um, so that was that game, and thus endeth uh, the month of February for the Caps. Then it's on to Friday back home at Cap One, and this uh, we're going to focus on a little bit more. Going to make this the feature game of the week because this was uh, probably the most complete game uh, the Caps have played all outside of the first period. Outside of the first period, I would say well, outside of the first period. <laughs> okay, so I, you know, I. I didn't, I wasn't going to give them too much of uh, a bad mark, but yeah, it didn't look good. I was at the game, so I got to see it up and personal. They did not look good in that first period. Like they couldn't even get, they couldn't even stay in Philly's zone for more than two minutes. Every time they got the puck in the zone, it was already out of the zone heading towards their zone. Philly, and there's, and this is just not the first period. Throughout the game, Philly found ways to pin us in our own zone. Like and there was a moment that they almost if they score if Lindgren doesn't make that save I think this is a different different outcome I think we go they if Philly ends up tying it and ends up winning it Lindgren made a huge save towards the end of this game and it leads to Milano taking it down the ice passing the puck to Patretti and Patretti goes across the crease to to Strom and as much as I like Strom I still don't think he's he's gonna be a a, a future guy on the team. But he he's he's done a lot. He's grown a lot these last two years with the Caps. Stroman last year wouldn't have done this. He sat and wait for the goalie to come out, and he picked his corner and he scored. Yep, nice nice looking goal there. So what Marcus was just describing was the the fifth and game ending goal uh, by Strom. Uh, so going back to the beginning. Um, Real quick, the first period, Bobby Brink, his ninth, uh, Frost and Tippett on the assist there uh, at 152. That goal was very very avoidable. I think if if Protus uses his body, Brink doesn't get that shot on net. He knocks Brink's down. Or if Protus is there a little second earlier, he's able to knock the puck to the side. I just, I feel like that was just, that goal was, that goal was just so unlucky for the Caps. That, That was not a good start for them. For a yeah, goal like I'm, that to happen. 
I'm, I'm watching the replay now. And yeah, I think Protus was one, a little slow on the back check, uh, at least for my liking anyway. And two, like you said, did not. Yeah. If you're going to position yourself in front of the crease, which he did and take the defensive spot. Uh, yeah, you gotta, you gotta be there and, and plant yourself, you know, not unlike uh, a guard in basketball and, and post up and get, get them out of there. And he didn't, he was just a half a step too slow and relied on his stick. And that just wasn't going to get the job done. Um, and Brink put that one away. So, um, it did that one, that one didn't look good. The <clears throat> pardon me, power play goal. Uh, you almost expect it from Owen Tippett. Um, th- th- this guy's gotten pretty good his few short years in the league. Um, that's his 22nd. Uh, Frost and Zamula on the assists on that one. So Caps went down 2 nothing into the first. Um, 434, Captain gets um, his 17th. And if I'm I not mistaken. This. I did call this. You can even ask Cheryl. I said on the draw. I said Obi's going to score right here. Yep, this uh, was the one. This this was the one right off the draw. So uh, Hendricks Lapierre wins it. Wilson cradles it and finds Ovechkin getting a little space, getting a little su- separation uh, from behind the scrum, and within the left circle, flings it past and into the net for his 17th of the year. Um, so that uh, breathed life into um, what wasn't looking very good. I mean, they were keeping up, but they weren't doing enough, I thought, to to win the game. This and then, woke the team up. This woke yeah, the team yeah, up. It definitely did. It definitely did. And then five and a half minutes later, Sonny Milano, his seventh, Pacioretty and Strom on the assist, tying the game. Even strength goal. Uh, Carlson puts now, the caps up for good. Go ahead. That that uh, that Milano goal was that. I think wasn't before that. Patch already had a breakaway. Uh, Everson made the save, and then but the Caps kept the puck in the zone, and eventually led to Milano lifting the puck over his shoulder and making it two two. I don't know if I don't. I think that was yeah. I think that's what happened. Yeah, because they kept the puck in the zone after that breakaway, and they 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 they. they hit a strong forecheck and Milano finds a way to, to put the puck in the back of the net. So that right there, that play alone. Yes. Patch ready. Didn't score on the breakaway, but they stepped, they kept playing. And I, I felt like after that goal, I just felt like we were going to win the game because then, then we had, we killed a huge penalty and we had, we took a, it was a, it was a bad penalty. It was a really bad penalty, but they gave them anyways. They, but they, they killed it off. Well, Benson was on our side, and Carlson makes a beautiful wraparound from pass from Lapierre. Lapierre gives him the puck. Uh, he, he wraps around, and it was a beautiful goal. I mean, the place went nuts. Yeah, so that was that was the goal that put the Caps up for good. So as a point shot, uh, John Carlson had activated, and is actually behind the net and beat uh, the goalie. Um, Airstrom, I think his name was. And I think it's it might be Iverson. I think it's Iverson. Um, let's see. Double check here. Airson. Uh, Airson? Yes, okay. Airson is his name. Um, yeah. Bring him up here. Samuel Airson, uh, a Swede yeah. who's uh, been up with the team for about a year, year and a half. Um, 
doing pretty good. Already got uh, three shutouts, so uh, wasn't wasn't any slouch in goal. But uh, Carlson with the wraparound beats him, uh, beats his pad, uh, puts them up for good three two. And uh, so the rest of the scoring would be Mantha would get one um, 604 in the third on the power play and Strom would get his 22nd, um, the one that was described earlier to ice it at 1538, Pacioretty and Edmondson on the assist uh, for that one. So Strom had a goal yeah. and two assists that night. Um, so, yeah, definitely number one star candidate. Um, yeah, very well played, um, uh, for most of it, I would say, um, I don't think, I don't think the caps played badly enough to lose. Uh, I think it was in the first period, it was one of those things where, you know, unlucky. Unlucky yeah, a, a little bit of, a little bit of unlucky, a little bit of Philly making their own luck, which they've done all year. Um, a little bit of outworking. So yeah, that's, and that's when they do that, they can they can jump ahead of you pretty quick. Uh, but I, I like the compete level. I like the attitude and uh, they didn't, they didn't let it get them too down. They knew, they knew once they started attacking the net and then, and, you know, lead by example is the captain. Once he started that rally, you know, they, they felt good about them, good enough about themselves to continue the attack. That's really what it was all about. Um, yeah. And so. and to add on to that, and that's what I yeah, Dylan Strom, I think, deserved that first star, but I think LaPierre definitely deserved that second star. Because I feel like this game was what really showed the growth for how his 200 game has really grown from this year to last year. Because LaPierre, he had, there was three or four times where he came back in the zone and he back checked and he broke up a play. If you look at the takeaways, we actually have way more takeaways in this game than, it, than you thought. I mean, at the first period, we were dominating takeaways from six to one. Uh, so, but Lapierre, this was his best game, even better than the Ottawa game. Even though he didn't score, he showed up in other areas where he didn't show up in Ottawa. Like the faceoff circle, every time Lapierre was in that faceoff circle, he either tied it or he won it. He dominated that faceoff circle, which is another reason why I think we were able to come back and win because he won that draw. Remember, if he doesn't win that draw, Ovi doesn't score. If Ovi doesn't score, we don't know what happens. But he wins that draw, and it ends with Ovi scoring. So I, I, I got to give props to him. The kid has really shown. like He he looks like he doesn't want to go back down to Hershey. I think he will go down to Hershey when we miss the playoffs because Hershey's going to need a number one center to, to push for the playoffs. But, yeah, this was his game. Like, his, his name was written all over it. Like from back checking, from hitting, from getting like getting that, that top line all night look really good. And let's talk about Hathaway getting his ass kicked. <laughs> oh my, oh my God. Wilson just, Obi had to hold back. Well, like he had to grab Hathaway and push him away or Wilson was going to murder him because what happened, what, what happened was uh, I think they were fighting. They were, they were, they were fooling around at the beginning of the, uh, in front of the goaltender. They were whacking each other. And then, I think Hathaway did something to piss Wilson off and he just throws him a nasty hook, like a nasty right. If you look at the replay and you see Hathaway getting up, he doesn't know where he is. Wilson completely knocks him, knocks some sense out of him. Uh, and that, I don't know if that was after the, the, what's it called? The, 
thank you. Thank whatever the thing is called the appreciation. Uh, I think it, to, I'm pretty sure it was because it, it was I, all that happened late in the game. That was uh, 7:39 in the third yeah, when all that I happened. Thought, no, I thought we had the the appreciation for Hathaway in the first period. I thought it was like yeah. late in the third, the first period. So that happened in the third period. So I don't think it was after it. I think it was. It wasn't right after. It was in the third period. Uh, because I do remember that it was like it was still two nothing Philadelphia, but then they gave Hathaway his appreciation because then they played his goal song that he had when he was here. Um, no love. I think is it no love. Um, yeah, what is love? Hathaway. What is love? Yeah, what is love? Uh, I'm thinking of the other one, uh, the remix from Eminem and Little Wayne. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that that game, like I said, Lapierre had it had him written all over. It was his first game on the top line. With uh, with Ovi and Wilson, and I think he made them look really good. I mean, if you if you even look, there's a YouTube. The Caps pulled up him out. He was mic'd up for that game. He uh he was calling out Willie. He was calling out Ovi. He was telling him go here, go there. Like he looked like he belonged on that top line. And I mean, I don't know if he played top line. He was he was projected to play top line minutes today, but I don't. He only played 13 minutes, so I don't know if. He that the top line barely played because Ovi has twenty minutes, but then again he played he plays power play minutes. Lapierre doesn't, so I don't know if he finished this, the game on the, the top line, but I do know for a fact that he started the game on the top line. But he this game had his name written all over it, and and I'm kind of I was excited to see the kid. I'm, I'm ex- I, that's why I purchased his jersey. I'm getting his jersey in a couple weeks. Lapierre, baby, uh, this kid will be the number one center maybe even next year. I just, this game proved it. Like he is, he's ready. He's ready, but I think he'll finish the season in Hershey because the bears, the bears are going to the playoffs. The bears can lose the rest of the way the season. They're still going to make the playoffs because they're the best team in the league. And they're going to need Lapierre more than the caps need him because the caps are not going to make the playoffs. No offense to you caps fans that are very caps fans that are, you know, positive and they want to think positive. I'm sorry, but the writing's on the wall. We're not making the playoffs. Today's loss kind of proves it. So uh, don't be shocked if you see Dowd, Mantha, Jensen, TVR, even Pacioretty, Edmondson, maybe even Lindgren gone by Friday. Because uh, in the, and I, you said earlier in the week, you, you also have been stating all season, don't trade unless the trade makes sense. But I feel like getting rid of all those guys, it makes sense because it opens the door for the younger guys to come up. They can play their minutes. We're not going to make the playoffs. If they have to go back down to Hershey, they're, they're waiver exempt. They can go back down. They'll play for Hershey. They can play, get some experience up here, go back down to Hershey. And we'll get into it. A couple guys that we might see at the end of the season, depending how long their uh, NCAA, their NCAA teams, their college teams go far. But yeah, this game, this game was awesome. And uh, I'm glad me and Cheryl went. We had, and Cheryl even said to herself, this game was a lot better. Her her experience was a lot better than the Ottawa game we went to on Monday. Now, well, jumping back to Lapierre for a second, um, and we talked about this the last time he was up. Um, he gives you he'll more often than not he'll give you a lot of bang for the buck. This game against the Flyers, he only had thirteen minutes and forty seven seconds time on ice. Here's how his stat sheet reads: otherwise, all right. 1347 on the ice, no goals, two assists, two points, two shots on goal. All right. 19 shifts plus two defensively. 
no penalty minutes, two blocked shots. By the way, that tied for the best among forwards. Okay. Um, here's something else. Two hits. Yeah. And he had a really, he had a as really you mentioned, as you mentioned, a fifty-seven percent face-off win percentage. Now it doesn't say how many draws he took, but like you said, he took a lot of key draws, especially yeah, that 50? one. Fifty-seven. 57. Like, well, they don't. That's because they don't count draws. Like, like the Caps win draws, but the the field the Flyers end up with the puck. They still count that as the Flyers win, even though he wins the draw and he ties it up. They they don't. That's why I hate. Sometimes I hate the stats for faceoff circles because a player can tie another player up. In my opinion, that's them winning the draw, even if the other team ends up with the puck. But yeah, fifty percent. I would say. I think he won at least sixty-five percent. I think he won a little bit more than that. But you know what? Fifty percent still really good, especially against well against a team that's. I don't. I don't think the Flyers are that good in the faceoff circle, but they've been really good lately. So, and I mean, especially for the Caps, who are, are, are like, if you look at it outside of LaPierre, May and McMichael, no, like, and I, he's having an amazing season, but his, like, his face offs, he needs to get better in the circle. He's, that's his, probably his biggest weakness this year is he's been, he's been losing draws that he needs to win. He lost almost, I think, almost all of his draws in that game. You can even look it up. I, I don't know if I'm correct, but I, the, the ones that I've sew, he lost majority of them. But like, and not, there was another game. I think was it Columbus that we that you went to that Lapierre was in. He won majority of the draws of the game for the Caps. Like every time he was in that circle, he win it. He won it, and he and he he got a goal, and he, I think he got a two assists in that game. His yeah, that third that, line that, that was the other game. Yeah, where he played third line minutes, and he his stat sheet led read a lot like the one I just read from this game. So he's going to give you a quality effort and when he really hits it counts it really counts so i mean what number one center i i think he's going to be i think this is probably going to be his trajectory he's going to be eased into the number one slot probably not this year although he should get more time on it i think i just think next get, year get used to it started, yeah, but he's going to get he, he's going to get more yeah. of a shot at it next year for sure I, honestly, I think from the start, like I don't think he's going back to Hershey after after this. If, if the Bears oh, repeat, or if they lose, which I'm I'm predicting, as much as I love the Bears, I'm predicting they're going to get upset in the first round. I have a feeling that they're that they're, they're this is, this feels a lot like how the Caps did in 20, 2018 going into twenty nineteen's playoffs. They were riding high. They had that amazing win streak. And just they're not playing. They're, they played some good teams recently, and they've lost. So I'm I'm thinking they're gonna if they but they're gonna probably lose in the first round, which I'm fine with that because the Bears they 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 had an amazing run last year. I'm still gonna go to the games. I'm still gonna have fun. But I honestly think he after this season he may finish the season in Hershey. He's not going to start it in Hershey next year because Kuznetsov's gone. Kuznetsov was the only one holding holding Lapierre back. That is a huge gap that they need to fill, and Lapierre is ready to take over. Right. Speaking of Kuznetsov, we'll uh, we're not we're not ignoring what happened. We'll we'll uh, speak on that uh, here in a moment. I uh, just wanted to finish up uh, the recaps, and uh, unfortunately, that includes the game that was just played today. Um, they're all must-win games, but as as we 
you know, get down a lot closer to the end. Um, they're all increasing exponentially in importance and none more so than your latest. And, uh, you know, especially when it's a team that had been I gotta struggling, ask. struggling, shall we say, to get points. Yeah. I got to ask, Did, didn't they sweep us last year? I wouldn't surprise me. Uh, I don't think we've done well against the Coyotes for like at least two going on two, three seasons now. They're, they're kind of like Dallas and San Jose, right? Where we struggle because Dallas, Dallas has beaten us. San Jose, I'm surprised we beat San Jose at home because San Jose has owned us. Nashville's owned us at home as well. Yeah, I, I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't think um, it. The record's been very good, at least going on the last. Uh, two years. I, I remember. I remember l- the last home game where they they fell behind in a similar fashion. They just couldn't catch up, and it was something like four one or something like that. And they just let. Let's not talk about that game. Let's also not talk about last year's game in the reverse retros where we were up two nothing and we gave up three goals in that third period. And especially a goal, we gave up a goal late. And like I think it was like what five seconds left in the game we or 18 seconds left in the game we gave up oh no i think it was like a minute left in the game we gave up a goal to make i think it was three two and we lost three two to the, the coyotes let's not talk about that because i just that game last year in itself kind of mirrored of these two games we played them this year i mean we've 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 taken arizona lightly and we shouldn't take them lightly, even though they're the, they're the third worst team in the well, the fourth worst team in the league behind Columbus, Chicago, and San Jose, uh, maybe even Anaheim. So they might be the fifth worst team. But it just they they've also they also on a fourteen game losing streak. Then they beat Ottawa and they beat us. So it's it's frustrating and. We're like you said, we're gonna get the recap, but it's just today I had a feeling we were gonna lose because one, it's a matinee game. Two, we don't play well against Arizona, and three, we're, we're we've been playing really well lately. We've also been playing well in the next game. We we pull a stinker the last four games, like we said. Monday we played well against Ottawa. Tuesday we pulled a stinker against Detroit. Friday we we played got well against Philadelphia, and then today we pulled a stinker. The only thing that sucks now is. We're we're in the hunt, but now we got to wait until Thursday. And by then, we could be almost twelve points out of third place. If you think about, it. I don't know ten points out of third place. We could be ten points out of third place because I believe Philadelphia plays two more games before we play Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that sounds about right. And uh, yeah, it's you know, and not again, not to sound doom and gloom, but you got to face reality here. It's and the, the the monumental guys even on the broadcast even said so. Look. The numbers sooner or later aren't going to add up, and it's the the chances of surviving this are shrinking ever so much with each loss. And this was so important to get the two points, however they could have gotten them. OT shootout regulation, it really didn't matter against this team, but they had to have them, and they just they came up short. And it was like you said, they just they knew this was a potential letdown game, and yet. They came out, well, the first three minutes, I would say, they came out fairly well. And then something happened after that where they just, everything just went flat. And then the goal. It was the breakaway goal. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then that kind of, that kind of got them off the rhythm. And then they started giving up power plays. And then Milano got a power play goal of his own. 
which made it 2-1. So Cooley, Cooley got that breakaway goal, his 10th, uh, 733 um, in the first. Uh, Jason Zucker gets his ninth, 406 on the power play for the Coyotes, makes it 2-0. Two, uh, yeah, 2-0. Milano gets his eighth, Ovechkin and Sandin on the power play assist, makes it 2-1. You think there's hope, and there's not. And this was... Um, this was the real, this was, this was, they had some life, but this was the killer. I thought, uh, Kesserling gets his fifth, uh, ex cap, Liam O'Brien and, uh, Valamaki with the assists on that one, uh, clean shot to beat, beat Lindgren clean high to the blocker side. And yeah, I, I thought that one was, was, uh, and it turned out to be the game winning goal. Uh, but that one was the killer. Um, they got another one Coyotes did on the power play at 1801, Dylan Gunther, his eighth. Um, Mantha, uh, they get a power play late in the second, spilled over to the third. Mantha got his 20th um, on the power play. Dylan Strom with the assist on that one makes it 4-2, 10 seconds in. Uh, but yeah, just too little too late. And uh, Schmaltz ices it with the empty netter um, at 1939. Um, not a whole lot to say, you know, they, they gave a great effort. Um, the last 10 plus minutes of the third, but it was just, it, it wasn't enough. I don't know if they were just not up for the game or what, you know, I, I think if the, if they sit there and make excuses, it's doesn't look good on them, but I don't know. I can't come up with an explanation other than they just simply weren't ready uh, somebody in Twitter suggested that the Kuznetsov stuff, which we'll get to in here in a minute, might have been a bit of a distraction. I don't know. I don't know about that, but I don't know. Just so much stuff going on, and but you got to keep your head about you. Uh, a coach said this. Al Koken said this. Uh, they all said this. Uh, you you're in the hunt for a playoff. You got to keep your head. You got to keep your eye on what's in front of you. And they took their eye off the puck, and it cost them this this game. And possibly a shot at the playoffs and honestly this game kind of proved that we need to sell i mean like even if we do on this miracle run and we make the playoffs which it's happened teams have sold their 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 uh they've sold players and they've gone on runs to make the playoffs i mean look at nashville nashville two years ago they sold half their team and they went on they went on a run and they made the playoffs they but they, they get they got swept but they made the playoffs. Um, I'm trying to think of another team. Who else? There's another team that that sold and they still end up making the playoffs. Um, I don't want to say New Jersey. There was another team that's like Colorado was one, but they did that in December. They they traded Matt Duchesne, and they that's what really led to them winning the Stanley Cup in 2022. But yeah, like this game and as a whole, like just in my opinion, just crumble it up, throw it away, and get ready to go on to going to Pittsburgh and I have a feeling we're going to know like, and I don't want to jinx us, but I have a feeling we're going to beat, beat on Pittsburgh because the penguins right now, they just, they're done. Like they look, they look lost. This looks like it might be the end of coach Mike Sullivan's coaching career in Pittsburgh. Um, And I feel like this will be a great bounce back game, but I also have a feeling we're going to end up losing to Chicago the very next game after that. Which this brings me to my point. My next point is this: this game might have been Anthony Mantha's last home game in DC. I have a feeling he's gone. I don't think he'll be in. He'll be at home against Chicago next Saturday. I don't think he'll be in the lineup. I think he'll be gone by Friday. 
I honestly wouldn't be shocked if he's gone before Thursday because he's playing really well. And he's playing to the point where he might even be able, we might even be able to get a first round pick for him because he's playing so well right now, even though he's on third line minutes, he's playing like he's in the top six. He's putting up top six points. He's, he's playing really well right now. And he's, 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 I think he's the third leader in goals this year. He might be the second. Cause I know Strom's and he leads the team in goals. Yeah. I think he's the second it's Strom and then him. Cause I think yeah. Strom has 24 or 22. 22, I think, but yeah, him, him 22. and Mantha are the only two right now on the caps that have hit 20 for the season. That'll change. That'll change. Ovi will have, I guarantee Ovi's going to score at least 13 more goals before the end of the year. I, and especially if he keeps playing with Lapierre, I think he'll end up fine. He'll find the back of the net at least either three more times, maybe I'd say eight more times. I think he'll finish the season with 28, a little under 30, which I, which leads me to my next point. Is Ovi going to have an effect, which we can get in the trade. We can do the trade deadline right now if you want. Uh, is that going to affect, will Ovi affect how we trade this year? Because you're going to, you wanted to come to me about this too, because there's another thing I want to bring up. Brian McClellan has already also stated that he is, he's going to have Ovi within the, t- the talks and conversations. He didn't have Ovi last year. He has Ovi this year. Remember Ovi left because his father passed away last year during the trade deadline. He was gone for, I think, what, two weeks? And in, in within those two weeks, two to four weeks, we traded Olaf, we traded Hathaway, we traded for Sandine. Well, I'd, I'm, I'm of two minds about that. Obviously, he wants, he still wants to win. So he has an idea of who might help. Uh, but then again, uh, some of his ideas, uh, Ilya Kovalchuk, have not panned out very well in the past. We don't, we don't bring him up. Please don't yeah. bring him up again. <laughs> uh, but just terrible. as one, one, one example. Um, so I'm, I'm of two minds about that. My fear, though, more than anything, is that, okay, so yeah, realistically, they should get what they can, but at what cost? And the, the what I'm getting at is the all those deals you mentioned last year. Okay, so unfortunately, yes, it got them Rasmus Sandin. Um, it got them some some capital, some movement. Um, they moved out Marcus Johansson, which you know I think ultimately was was a good move because he was stunting some of the Ford's development. His presence was doing that. I, I'm sorry, I think, but he was. I think, was it was our second round pick last year's draft? Was that our own second round pick or was it another pick we got? Because we got another pick from, uh, I think it was, no, not Winnipeg. We used the Winnipeg second round pick to get, to get Vanacek back. Uh, I think it was, we got a second round pick for Moja, right? I think it was. I yeah, I think so. I yeah, and then I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that pick got turned around for either Sandine or somebody else. No, the first round pick was from Boston. We used that first round pick to get Sandine. That's that first right. round pick was basically Sandine. That's so, right. Uh, but the, I believe we got either a second or a third round pick, which I think it was a third round pick, a third or and maybe a fifth. 
because we used we used one of the picks we had this year from a trade that we drafted either I think he was either the guy from uh, trying not trying to get sidetracked but the guy from I think he uh, from Hamilton the kid we got from Hamilton and then we also drafted Cameron and Allen but I think that pick one of those two picks was from a trade but I know the Andrew Cristal pick and uh, the Ryan Leonard pick were our own own draft picks which leads to my next point. Um, We'll get into him in a minute, Ryan Leonard. But yeah, I think I think right now I'm gonna go on a prediction right now and we'll see if it's right next Sunday. I think Mantha's gone. I think he'll be traded by Thursday. I think Dowd will be gone. Um because Scarbosa has looked good. Even though Scarbosa looks good, I don't think Scarbosa will be the eventual fourth line guy because he's 30. I think it's still Riley Sutter. I think it will be Riley Sutter because Riley Sutter right now leads the top penalty kill minutes for the bears. And that's exactly what the caps need on a fourth line center. And as much as Brad and in the, in the group, in the message group doesn't like that. He's slow. We don't need a fast fourth line guy. We need a guy. Look at Jay Beagle. He wasn't that fast. He was fast, but he wasn't that fast. He was excellent in the face off circle, which is what Riley Sutter does. And he was an excellent penalty killer. He was by far our best penalty killer in the years that he played for us, Jay Beagle. So I don't think we need a fast fourth line guy. And and he'll be back with Beck Malenstein. I'm pretty sure Malenstein would love that. I, I think Riley Sutter could be up in the year. I don't, but I don't know. It depends if the team thinks he's ready. But I do think he'll be our fourth line guy next year because I think Dowd's gone. I think Jensen could be gone. A team's going to want a bottom six pair defenseman. He'll be good for that. Uh, Edmonton will be a good good guy, like say for Edmonton to get a guy in the blue line that's going to use the body. I think for sure though, Mantha is definitely gone. I think we're going to get a first round pick for him because he's playing excellent right now, and I think he'd fit well on a top six um, team. What? So, so you mentioned it, uh, and you know, losing Dowd would be part of that, but. M- what I was getting at was my fear, at least, you know, as what happened was what happened last year, we got a quality defenseman in Sandine. There's no, there's no question about that, but it cost them a lot. And I mean, a lot of their grit, both on the forward and the defense, you gave away your, your biggest hitter and, and granted probably weren't going to be able to afford him anyway. Or love. Orlov gave, okay. gave him, you know, traded him away and traded away Hathaway. He wasn't going to put points on the boards, but he was going to make life difficult for your opposing forwards. And I think, unfortunately, that's been a good chunk of their problem this year is because they lost a lot of that element of being hard to play against. Now, what? so what I'd like to see this year is somehow for the caps to get some of that back, whether it's by trade or like or calling up a Riley Sutter and giving him some, you know, giving him some, you know, pro minutes and giving a hungry guy like that. Oh, you want me to go after this guy? I I'll do it. I want that. I want that back. I don't care about anybody who's real fast or, you know, put points on the board right now. I want the guy that's going to, going to run down and forecheck and well, 
try to win the battles along the board. I want that guy. Then that, that brings to my point back to we don't need that on the fourth line. We don't need speed on the fourth line. We need the fourth line is not there to outskate the other team. That's what the top six is for. Like you don't see Nathan McKinnon playing on the fourth line. You see Andrew Cogliano. Sorry to bring up Colorado, but Colorado and Vegas are the last two Stanley Cup champions. Look at their their bottom, their 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 fourth line. Do you see anyone that's really fast on the fourth line? No, it's hard hard hitting checking back uh, back checking really good defense defensive forwards. Not someone that's going to put the puck in the net. Yes, they can score, but they're not going to put the puck in the net every night. They're going to be out there shutting down the other team's top line, and and that's why that's why me and Brad get into it. I just and I and I. As much as as much as I like getting into him, Brad is smart. He knows what he's talking about, and he's 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 very his hockey knowledge is very high. So I can I can acknowledge that. But there's times where it just baffles me where he says he doesn't like Riley Sutter, he doesn't like these guys because they're not fast, and I'm like they don't need to be fast. They they need to be hard checking. They need to play their role. Riley Sutter is not coming into the team to be a top six guy, a middle six guy. He's there to be a penalty killer, use his body, win face-offs in crucial times, and and shut down the other team. That's exactly what we need on that fourth line. As much as I love Scarbosa and he's playing really well, he's 30. That's not going to be the – I think he's gone. I, I don't even think we, we bring him back next year because he's in his 30 – he's 30 years old. What are you going to do with a 30-year-old, right? He's got, what, three to four years tops of, of skating left? Once you hit 34, especially with this team, your, your skating ability goes out the window. Unless you're a goaltender, which goaltenders, for some reason, goaltenders find ways to, and maybe even defensemen, find ways to turn back time and become, like I've seen it from time, time, time and again. And Jonathan Quick is one of those examples this year. He found the fountain of youth because he's playing amazing for the Rangers, uh, even better than Igor. At this point, Jonathan Quick could be their starter of how well he's outplaying Igor, and Igor is supposed to be their top player. Igor is a Vesna-winning trophy goaltender. So is I don't actually I don't think Quick ever won it, but that's not my point. Uh, we don't need speed on the fourth line. The fourth line is there to check, block shots and shut down the other opponent's top line. So Riley Sutter fits that build. He's he, he Just because he's not as fast as he was last year doesn't mean he's not ready. I think he's ready. The only thing that's holding him back is Dowd and Scarbosa. I think Scar, Scarbosa's there to fill the shoes until either Dowd comes back or gets – and if, even if we don't trade Dowd at the, at the deadline, I still think we're going to trade him in the offseason because he's, his contract ends next year and we're not going to want to repay him. We're like when we're gonna try to get a little bit younger because I believe Dowd, he's on. Does he turn third? Is he thirty this year, or is he twenty nine? Who uh, Scarbosa? No, Dowd. Scarbosa. Oh, Dowd. Dowd is uh thirty now. I'm 30. pretty sure. Thirty. Okay. So that's my point. And Riley Sutter, I believe, is only twenty four. So. No, that, no. Dowd is Dowd is thirty three. Oh, he's thirty three. So yeah, he's he's almost. He's almost, he's nine years younger. I believe, no, Sutter might be 23. It's still, no, he's 22. How old is Sutter? He's been in the league for four years, I think. He was drafted in 20, 2018, I think. No, 20, 2019. He's got to be 20. Sutter is... 22? 24. 
24. So I was right. Okay. So he's 24. That's nine years younger than Dowd. He's six years younger than Scarbosa. That's exactly the type of guy we need. And plus, he's played really well with Beck Malenstein on the left side. And another guy I could see trading, which he's, you don't like him much, but I can see uh, NAK being traded as well because I do think there's another guy in Hershey that's going to fit, but we're not talking about. But he had an amazing spring. He had an amazing rookie camp. He had an amazing preseason. Um, what's his first name? What the hell is his first name? Is, is it, I don't want to say Richard Hopper. It's Holfer. His name's Holfer. I don't know what his first name is. Uh, but he's playing really. He's playing well on Hershey right now. Roster now. There's also Dubay. Perek Dubay. Dubay. He came out of nowhere. Perek yep. Dubay. He came out of nowhere. This year for uh there's also another Ryan guy Hofer. Trin- right Ryan, Ryan Hofer's Hofer. the guy you're thinking of. Yeah, he he I think he is the fourth line guy on that right side. I think it's gonna be Malenstein, Sutter, and Hofer. That's gonna be our fourth line in the future. And and I think that's an excellent fourth line. I think that's a fourth line that could potentially win you games, maybe even get you far in the playoffs because like that I don't know if that was the fourth line in Hershey, because I no, I think Hofer was still in the juniors or overseas. But I know for a fact that Malenstein and Sutter were, were dominant on that fourth line and were a huge reason why the Bears won the Calder Cup last season. So so right now, right now, Marcus, who would you say after the game against Pittsburgh, what is it, Thursday, um, who will have definitely played their last game as a cap by then, if not before? Mantha. Anthony Mantha is definitely gone. And it's looking like Edmonton is going to trade for him. It looks like he's heading. He's going to be an Edmonton Oiler because uh, that's the rumor right now. It's Edmonton is is the favorites to pick him up. I still think Vegas gets him because Vegas is going to be without um, their captain for a while. He might he might even miss the rest of the season. So they're definitely going to need a guy in the top six. Um, but there's a there's a sneaky team I could definitely see getting him. Uh, and that is in, within our division. I think the Carolina Hurricanes could very well use him in their top six. They could very well use him in their bottom six. They need a guy that's going to go throw the body, that's going to get in the deep 30 areas, which Mantha has done this year, which credit to Spencer. Spencer has turned Mantha around. Mantha has a tendency to be lazy at times this year. Especially late, like since I think November, Mantha has not been that same lazy guy. He's he's every night, every shift, he looks like he's giving it his all. So I think he's definitely gone. Another guy I think we'll see play his last is Nick Dowd. I do think Dowd's gone, even though he's on injured reserve. I think he's played very he's played well enough uh this year, even though he's hurt. For teams to look, hey, we need Nick Dowd. I don't think he's going to get a first rounder now that he's hurt, but I do think he's still going to get us maybe a second rounder, which we can then turn into, you know, a, a, like the last two first, second round picks that we've had have have our studs. Ryan Chesley, Andrew Cristal, both of them should have been in the first round. Both of them fell out of the first round and both of them fell right into our laps. So I think Dowd's gone, uh, but... Outside of that, anything's up in the air, but for, for, for sure, I think Dowd and Mantha are goners. I think for sure they're goners. 
I think Edmonton may be gone. Pacioretty looks like he wants to be gone, but we're going to have to talk about him. And yeah, Kuznetsov, I think Kuznetsov's gone. I I do, Uh, but I'm going to wait for my opinion until next Sunday about what I really feel about him. I do think he is, if he does well in Hershey, he'll be gone either Friday or he'll be gone in the off season. Because teams are going to look at that. He's changing. He's gained his game. He got his game back. He's ready to go back to the uh, the, the NHL. Uh, and he's ready to, to, to roll. But I'll hold my opinion on that until next, next week's episode. Because I don't know. He just cleared waivers. So he will be reporting to Hershey. Will he play in Hershey? Or will he throw a fit? Who knows? So I'm going to hold off my opinion on Kuznetsov until next week. All right, and I I will get to Kuznetsov myself in a minute here, but I will have to agree with you and say Mantha is most likely gone. Um, I I'm going to take a chance and say, um, as much as he's been coveted, uh, so I hear. Um, I think maybe just maybe, I don't think uh, any team is going to be able to meet uh, Brian McClellan's asking price for Nick Dowd. Um, so actually it wouldn't surprise me if he stays, if Dow does go, it better the hell not be for any less than a second rounder. Um, it's been said that he's going to fetch a first rounder. Um, I'm a little dubious of that, but it better not be for less than a second rounder. Uh, otherwise there's no point because, um, he's doubt has driven, um, the forward defense. Um, and he's your key face-off man. So you give him up, then yeah, uh, you might as well throw in the towel on the season. And it better mean that Riley Sutter is ready, and he could very well be ready. And being with Malenstein, I like that. I like that idea in reuniting with with uh, with him because you've seen what bringing up some of the Hershey guys have done for the guys that have already made it. McMichael, Malenstein. Now, when when LaPierre came up, instantly a, a, an even further jump to their game. So I kind of like that. So I think I think you're going to see Malenstein's game improve even further. Although it, I don't think it's been that bad. I just I, I he's a little like here's here's a name from the past. Uh, Malenstein, at least lately, has been um, a little like uh, Mike Ruzioni to me. Can do everything you ask him to has a little trouble finding the net sometimes. And that showed in today's game, but, but I don't overall, I don't have a big problem with his game. And I think you're right. I think he's going to get a nice jump courtesy of that benefit from reuniting with Sutter. I would really like to see that. I'm telling you, I'm I'm hoping that's the plan. That future fourth line, Malestine, Sutter, Hofer. They they actually played in the preseason. I think they played on the same line in the preseason. They looked yeah, good. Wolfer got some time in the preseason, yeah. And he looked good. I'm telling you, and I think he no, I think all, all I think like I said, I don't know if they played together in the preseason, but I think they did. I think they had like a couple minutes together and they looked good. Wolfer actually got a couple goals, I believe a couple goals in the preseason. So I'm telling uh, you now, he, got, now, he got one. He got at least one that I remember. Yeah, it was the first game. The first preseason, I think the one we lost, yep. I think to Detroit, he scored one of the first two goals. Uh, Malenstein, Sutter, Hofer. That is the future fourth line. I'm telling you right now. But let's now, I, I 
I don't know if you want to talk about Kuznetsov or we can go into well, the next shift in the next I got one, one. I got one last I got one last pick. Um I okay. and look, I I don't I haven't for the most part cared much for his game. I don't bear him any ill will. He played great last year I thought, but as I've said a lot, he's hit a wall this year. Nick Jensen. Nick Jensen. I knew it. I would <laughs> For the betterment of the team, I would like to see him go because he's on the wrong side of 30. I think that three-year extension was a mistake. They're probably going to have to eat some salary to get rid of him. But I would kind of like to see him go for the betterment of the team because I think that opens the door for Alexiev to get more time, which has been he's a little bit good. criminal. And he's, he, looked, he's, oh, he's looked amazing lately. Like the, the he has. He's been playing. But think of how good he could be if he'd gotten all that time he should have been getting because they signed Edmondson, because they signed Bear. Two mistakes, in my opinion. Well, so, they didn't sign Edmondson. They traded for him. But it, or tr- Okay, you're right. You're right. But they, they got two defensemen that they probably didn't need. And it also well, opens the door in part for Vincent Iorio to get some time, maybe. Yeah, but here's the thing about him. Um Arario is not having a good year in Hershey. I'm sorry, but he's he's not really his offensive game is not really showing up this year. Uh, and I don't know if it's it's he's also been hurt a lot this year. So I don't know because and this is why I'm the guy we're going to bring up soon. I think this will depend on if Nick Jensen gets traded. If Jensen gets traded, don't be shocked if the Caps. And if the Gophers do not make, if they lose in the regional round, don't be signed. Don't be shocked. Uh, shocked if this kid, this nineteen-year-old, puts pen to pen to paper and inks that contract and comes over and plays a couple games for the Caps and finishes the season in Hershey because they need help on that right side of the fence. Outside of Carlson, I'm I'm not. I don't like those. I don't like TVR as much as I love TVR when he, when we first got him. He's not, and he's please has his moments. There's a lot of times where he just doesn't, he cannot have the ability to get the puck out of the zone. He fails to clear and it leads to a goal almost half the time that it does happen. And there's Nick Jensen. I just don't think those two are going to, are going to be in the plans for the right side. And I also think John Carlson could be towards trading in the, I think John Carlson might be a, a target to trade in the off season. I think John Carlson's days in Washington are coming to an end. As much as mm. Ovi and everyone else wants to admit, I think I, maybe not this year. He still has, I think, three years left on his contract. I think either not this offseason, but definitely next offseason or maybe next year's deadline to look to trading him. Because I think right now at the point we have three young defensemen either in the college, juniors, or the minors that are are nearing close, ready to go. and. That brings, like I said, if but it all depends on what we do with this year's deadline. If Jensen's traded, don't be shocked. If McClellan calls up Minnesota, calls up calls up their, their Chesley, who has taken a huge step this year defensively, and I mean in the World Juniors, he shut down the top prospects in the World Juniors this year, and he looked very good at it, and he scored some timely goals, got some timely assists. Don't be shocked if he if he ends up on the roster to end the season for the Caps and plays a couple games towards the end of the year. All right, you're calling you're calling uh, Ryan Chesley to make the jump to uh, the Bears 
this year. This year, uh, at the end of the season. But I think, I do think he'll play a couple games for the Caps because they want him to get used to the, you know, he's he looked good. He looked good in uh, the training, the rookie camp. Um, he uh, he definitely looks like he'll be our number one defenseman because I think Martin Fairbairn will be that offensive guy. I don't, yeah, no, Sandine. Sandine will be that offensive guy. He'll be the I think the top pairing in the future is going to be Sandine Chesley, Fervari, Arario. That's going to be the top four. And I and I've seen some articles lately that are saying that Chesley is not going to be. He's going to be a bottom six defenseman. I think that's bullshit. I think that's. They're they're looking past his two. He's not an offensive guy. He's a two way defender. Yes, can he put the puck in the net? Yes, but he his his more his mainly game and his mainly like his main thing that's really attractive about him is he is a puck moving defenseman. He is also a neutral zone shutdown defender, and he and he showed in the, the World Juniors. Look how hard he made it for other teams, especially Team Sweden in that gold medal game. He made it difficult for them to get into the other zone he's ready to make that jump he's ready to go to hershey he's not ready for the nhl yet i but i'm just saying i think he can i wouldn't be shocked if he plays a couple games in dc to see how he feels and then he'll if he feels really well and he feels good they might keep him for the rest of the season then he'll he'll start in hershey next year kind of like um arario did last year arario came up for a few few games towards the end of the season. He felt good. I, I don't know if he finished the season with the team. I think he did. He might have not have. Uh, but then he went back to Hershey and he had that amazing playoff run for the Bears. So I think that's exactly what's probably going to happen for for Chesley. I think, honestly, what's there left for him to do? Is he going to go back his junior year? I mean, he went from bottom, bottom of the line minutes last year as a freshman in Minnesota to like 22 minutes a game, and he played really well. He's not putting up points, and I'm not scared about that because of his style of play. He's a two-way defender, and here's another thing: he can hit. His hits, like he, I think there was one, there was a hit in the World Juniors that was a nasty hit. I think it was against uh, Latvia. He he just completely destroyed one of their forwards. So it's he's ready. He's ready to make the jump. There's a lot of people that are still hesitant with him. I'm not. I think Chesley's game has grown. I've watched almost all the games for Team USA this year. He has really taken, like, he was playing top. Like, the fact that he was given the A, he was also given top, top line, min- a top pair of line minutes from the head coach, the David Carl, my, my favorite head coach because he coaches my favorite college team, the Pioneers, the Denver ODU. Uh, he put him on the top line. He had faith in him. And just because he's not putting up numbers like he did in the U.S. What is it? U.S.P. What is it? What is it called? The the minor league for the before the the um, the under eighteen league for the U.S. U.S. team. So the so the U.S. Junior uh, Tier One is uh, uh, the U.S.H.L. That's that's U.S.H.L. Uh, yes. U.S. US, US Junior. There's U.S. There's another one. There's another one too. But I think it was U.S.H.L. It's either that or the other one. I think which is U.S.P.H.L. Or PDA, US PDA, or I think it's PHL. Uh, it's, it's their development program where Team USA has that. Where player, a lot of the players recently, like the last three years, I've seen I think fifteen guys out of that program have been drafted. Leonard is one of them. Will Smith is one of them. Gabriel Perot is one of them. Like those guys are coming out of that. And uh, but I'm just Chesley was another one of them. Uh, I think la- I think it was 
three years ago that, that, that the entire first round, I think 11 of those guys or eight of those guys are drafted from that program in the first round. So that, but he was, he put up monster numbers in, in that, in that league, but that's not his game. Like his game is a two-way defender. You're not going to always get goals from a two-way defender. You're going to get, you're more than likely going to get defensive style play from a two-way forward than you are going to get of an offensive man. An offensive, if he was an offensive heavy defenseman and he's not scoring, I'd be worried. But he's not. He's a two-way defender. So there's nothing really to worry about if he doesn't score every night or he's not putting the puck in the net more often than, than he should because he's getting, he's, his other side of the game has really shined right now. So I think he's ready to make the jump, but we'll see. But it all depends on what we do at the deadline. If Nick Jensen doesn't get traded, I don't see us signing him until at least the offseason. All right. Um, but yeah, I, I think, and I would, uh, look, I was guilty of this before we move on and uh, finish up here. I was guilty of this. I was at first excited about the Ethan bear signing because it meant that they were getting younger on the back line. Um, then I actually saw the guy play <laughs> and, um, he was bad. He's so bad. what I should have said was younger and better, um, not just younger. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know what's going to become of that, but uh, you're right. If uh, I think Jensen will be the key, uh, I think there's a lot of teams out there that will are looking for a veteran a bottom six pair defenseman that can finish up those minutes. Um, and I think Jensen's an attractive target. Um, if and only if, and this is the downside of it, the Caps are willing to eat the rest, uh, a good chunk of the rest of that contract. Uh, which is why a big reason why it was a mistake to extend him, but we'll, we'll see. But that that's uh, a target, um, and we'll see what happens next week. We'll come back with you next week and uh, see what exactly happens. But could be uh, buckle your seatbelts, guys. It could be a, a you know a completely different look for this team. Um, but I I think you're gonna like the way they play. I I've been saying that, and I'm confident in that. Uh, because you're going to see a lot of guys that are hungry and are going to get a lot of time that didn't normally get some time before. Do you want but, me to talk about Ryan Leno real quick? Because you did uh, say you want me to mention that. Uh, yes. Yeah. Let's. Uh, okay. Yeah. Let's. Let's finish up on Leonard uh, for those who uh, aren't uh, haven't been introduced to him because I think he's also going to be a key component of the Caps' oh, future. So yeah, he, let's, let's, he, let's wrap that up. He's the future right wing. He's the future top top. Top uh, top line right winger. Uh, so Brian McClellan in the uh, front office, I think it was either yesterday or the day before, they came out and stated that their cho- their decision on Ryan Leonard will de- depend on will be on his decision. So they're giving him if he feels like he wants to play. If he, which I opinion, I think he needs to go back another year. He hasn't he has an amazing year this year, but I just feel like if he goes another year and grows his game even more, once we sign him, he might not even have to go to Hershey. Right now, I feel like he, he'll have to go to Hershey to grow his game a little bit more. But if he stays another year in Boston College and then he signs with us, I think he instantly goes on the roster. I think he can skip over the AHL. But ultimately, it's not my decision. I'm not the general manager, but it's also not the general manager's decision. It's, it's Ryan Leonard's decision. Does he want to come back? Does he want to go back to Boston College? What happens if the, 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 go, the Eagles lose in the, the Frozen Four? Does, does he going to feel like, hey, we could have won it this year, but I think next year we'll win it? Look at Cal McCarr, for an example. Another reason why I, I don't want to always go back to Colorado, but Cal McCarr is a, a, the greatest, ex, the best example recently. He had a chance to sign with Colorado, 
after his freshman year in, in UMass, he chose, nope, I'm going back. I want to, because I have stuck to my guns. I want to turn this program around. And he did. The very following season, they went to the, the Frozen Four. They went to the NCAA tournament. They lost. They lost in the championship game, but he 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 proved his game even more. And now, and honestly, right now, he's the best defenseman in the league. And I think because he he spent that second season in UMass, he's it helped him grow even more. And I feel like that's gonna that's what Ryan Leonard needs. There's a lot of part of his game that I still feel like he needs to grow. And I don't think he's gonna get it out of Hershey because Hershey, the AHL is not like the college. The AHL is a lot tougher. It's a lot rougher than the AHL right now. And I think another year of growing, getting stronger, building up. And then like if he can if he can do this again next year, and here's another thing that really, really worries me about Leonard. He's doing it right now because he's he's played on this line since I think he was 14 years old, maybe even 10. They've been together for a long time. What happens when he's not with Will Smith and Gabriel Perot? What happens when Perot and Smith aren't feeding him the puck? We've had a little glimpse of that recently without, I think, Perot, Perot or Smith are hurt. And I think it's uh, Gouthier. Uh, former Flyers draft pick got traded to Anaheim for Drysdale. He's been playing with that with I think either Smith. No, no, I think it's Smith. Smith's hurt because or one of them's hurt. Uh, he's been playing with that line, and Leonard's still been producing, but he still has the other one of the two. So I don't know. I that's why I want him to go back to Boston College because if Will Smith and Gabriel Pro leave, I want to see him produce the same way he's producing now with them in the lineup. So. I think he should go back. But like I said, Brian McClellan in the front office came out and said, if the decision's up to him, if he wants to come, they'll sign. If he does, if he feels like he needs more time, they'll go back. All right. Makes sense. Um, and that's sort of, yeah, that's a good point. Cause that's, that's going to be a good measuring stick for, is he the real deal or not? I like, I already like his compete level. I like what he can do. I like the attitude he brings to the big stage. He's already been featured, a featured player in World Junior Championship tournaments. He's already proven he can come up big in the big games. So I like that. You can never have too many of those guys. That that kind of thing gets pretty infectious, uh, I think, throughout a, a locker room. So that's going to be that's going to be really great to see once he comes up, regardless of what his skill rating will be. Um, so I want to wind it up by, uh, mentioning, uh, what happened or my take, giving my take on Kuznetsov. Um, uh, I, Marcus is taking the right tack, I think by not, by holding back here. And I think we all should. Um, but (laughs) as I mentioned, uh, several weeks ago when he was first uh, announced as, uh, checking into the, um, player assistance program, um, some of you out there feel the need to uh, treat this like some sort of big joke moment or, you know, by Felicia moment. Well, F all of you who think so. And I'm sorry, but you people aren't Caps fans anyway. You people are treating it like that. Beyond that, um, personally, I wish uh, Kuznetsov the best no matter what happens to him. I will always remember the guy that makes the game fun to watch that uh, scored one of the biggest goals in team history in overtime in the 2018. He eliminated the Pittsburgh Penguins. Second round. That 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 goal 
that that goal that is is going to live in Cap's lore forever, no matter what he does, no matter who he plays for. And I only wish him well. As I mentioned, go ahead. To quote your doppelganger, to quote your doppelganger, good morning, good afternoon, and good night, Pittsburgh. The Capitals have finally done it. They've slayed the dragon that will forever be etched in the words of DC Sports. And one guy was responsible for that, and we should never, well, say, ever forget him. I'd say two. I mean, that, that play, Ovi made an amazing poke. I mean, uh, it's not that I made a poke, and then true, Ovi made a beautiful pass. Ovi, it's, it's assumed. So Yeah. Um, but, but anyway, um, so I will always look at him as that, that icon. Yes, I know it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately type of business, and it is a business. And yeah, I can look at it objectively and say, look, you know, he hasn't been producing and, you know, maybe he hasn't been in a good headspace, but I, again, I only wish him well. I want to take this opportunity to, if indeed he has played his last game as a capital, thank him for his years of service with the team. Hasn't always been great. Hasn't always been, you know, a lot of laughs, but he made it everything he could when he could. And I think he's done nothing but great for the organization. So thank you, Evgeny. Spasibo. And uh, wish you well, no matter what the road uh, takes you um, these coming weeks and months. Um, okay, so uh, we're going to stop here. Uh, so obviously, Marcus and I, as we said, we're going to reconvene for next week's episode um, and find out what the damage actually was. Uh, we talked about what could happen next week. We'll find out what did happen and what the damage is going to be and what, how the caps are going to look, um, because of it. Um, and where they're going to go from there. Um, Marcus, just uh, real quick for a last, uh, couple minutes discussion, uh, other than the names we mentioned for the caps, are there another name league wide? out there big name that you see might be on the move there's two well there's actually four but there's two that have been talked about a lot and there's one that i find hilarious because he plays for one of our rivals but i feel like the uh, well, there are a player there's a player on that team that makes him look better than he actually is and that's jake gensel and a lot of people are going to give me shit for that but uh jake gensel has only been good because he's played with Cindy Crosby. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but I, I'm not afraid to admit Cindy Crosby is going to go down as hit one of the best players to ever play the game. Uh, probably one of the best centers to ever play the game. You get no argument from me. Anybody who says Sidney Crosby is not one of the top players in pro hockey ever is a fool. And he, and he makes, he's made Gensel look good in his career. I mean, yeah, there's times where Gensel's look good without Crosby. I just, but I feel like once he leaves that team and he gets traded, his numbers are not going to be as good as his numbers would be with Crosby. It's the same situation with Panarin. Panarin's numbers, like they're not, they're not great, but they're not as amazing as they were when he was with Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane is another one. Patrick Kane made him look really good. But then when he went to Columbus, he had he had okay numbers. He had good numbers, but he didn't have amazing numbers that it, like he had in his rookie year with Chicago. And look what he has in New York right now. He's not, he doesn't, he has okay numbers. They're not amazing. They're not shooting out like, oh my God, superstar numbers. No. 
but he is playing with Mika Sabanajad, who makes him look better. Mika Sabanajad is another player that I'm going to get shit for for saying it, but Mika Sabanajad is probably the best player on the Rangers right now because he plays really well. That line, I think he's a, is that line with Panarin and Kreider? I think that's their top line. That top line is a pain in the ass to play against every night because Kreider gets in front of the net. Zabanishad's always going to be a threat. And Panarin's Panarin. He has a hell of a shot. But the other guy is Pavel Buknedic. Uh, I think that's how I say the name. Buknedic. I don't know how to pronounce the name. Buknedic. Buknedic. Okay. Former Ranger. He is also a potential trade trade target. Um, he is more likely going to be if, if Vegas, like I said, Vegas is potentially at Manta, but I think honestly, with Navage is going to go to Vegas because they absolutely need a player like him. I think, um, Casey Middlestad is another player, uh, car, like a team that desperately, like if they don't do anything right now, they're going to get knocked out of the first round. And that's the abs. Uh, because they need a number two center. And don't be shocked if they trade everything to get a number two center. Because they, they, they're they still cup contenders. So, Casey Middlestad's another one from Buffalo. He's playing amazing for Buffalo. What a year. Um, They're underwhelming, but they're starting to win games, which is probably going to hurt them. Because they do this every year. They They play well in the beginning of the season. This year, they actually played terrible. They started terrible. But they usually play well in the season, beginning of the season. Then they play like shit in the middle of the year. And then they pick it up again towards the end of the season and barely miss the playoffs. Uh, so I think Casey, because Casey Middlestad has been playing really well. His contract's up. He's a guy that could go. Uh, another guy that could go is Tarasenko. Tarasenko could always go. There's talks that Brady Kachuk might be on the trade block as well, uh, which I don't think will happen. There's Jacob Shikarin. But the two main guys that I, I would I would say are uh and Gensel. But I honestly think if any team trades for Gensel, they're not going to get much out of it because Gensel's benefiting from playing with Crosby. So but yeah, those are the two guys. The the two guys I want to mention, Gensel and Bufnevich. Uh I do if you want my prediction, I will give it to you right now. I think Bufnevich goes to Vegas and I think Gensel goes to Florida. All right. Interesting. Very interesting. Well, by the time we hit you next week, um, it will be Sunday, day after, uh, 24 hours after uh, the deadline. So um, Friday. Deadline uh, Friday. You're right. You're right. Uh, 48 hours after the deadline. So uh, that, that Sunday will be two days after, um, and the Caps will have a game um, the night before That's against Chicago. Saturday. Yep. Uh, Chicago. That Saturday. So that'll be the first game with uh, any new lineup changes. So we'll have that game and uh, several others real quick just to go over. The next over game, the... I believe, is Toronto on Wednesday. I think we play. Uh, no, no, Pittsburgh. No, we, play, we play Pittsburgh. Caps, Caps play Pittsburgh on Thursday the 7th and Chicago on the 9th, and that finishes this week. And then they go on a long uh, Western road trip. Western road trip, yeah, that's right. Because they have, uh, in the they middle still of, play in the middle of the month. So yeah, they still, they go on the they go up they go up north. They play Vancouver. I think they have Calgary. They have Winnipeg. And they have uh, Edmonton. They play. Yep. Yeah, they play up uh, up north. That's their north northwestern trip for the year. Yep, they're going to go all the way out to Seattle for that one. Um, yep. 
So, uh, yeah, that, that'll be, that'll be interesting. Uh, any new guys will have, uh, have the chance to bond. So that's uh, yeah. kind of good timing there. All right. So we're going to wrap it up here. I know this one's kind of long, but, uh, I did promise you chock full of information, speculation, hot stove talk. Uh, so we got it for you here. I hope we gave you a lot of good ideas to kind of kick around the water cooler and, uh, talk about with your fellow caps fan, um, some of you might've been wanting to throw your, uh, your iPhone or whatever, uh, you on the other side of the speakers, the earbuds. Um, and, and that's all right. Long as, uh, long as, uh, we get you involved in the discussion, that's great. But, uh, like I said, we'll be back next week to find out what the damage was and see where the caps go from here. So for Marcus Slimley, this is the blue liner on point signing off and reminding you that well, now that the weather's getting warmer, my winter fat is gone. <laughs> now I have spring rolls. <laughs> you know, because the caps play in Chinatown. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hallelujah, and let's go, caps. Go, caps. This has been another episode of the Power Play Point Podcast. All episodes are available from Apple Podcasts, the Podbean app, blueliner77.podbean.com, and now available from Stitcher. Music by Joe McAllister, voiceover by Jeffrey Conkle. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, Power Play Point Podcast. Thanks for listening.